With the Women's World Day of Prayer and International Women's Day this month, we focus on women in leadership. First, we travel to Nepal, where CMS's Lisa Lewis met Manoj Pradhananga, one of the local leaders supported by the CMS Timothy Fund, and mission partner Jean Dobbing. They work together in the leadership training department of the National Churches Fellowship of Nepal. First, Manoj paints a broader picture of the work. Then you'll hear from Jean about the women's leadership training program. Nepal, once upon a time, it was uh, a close country for the gospel because uh, we did not have uh, gospel almost for many, many years and uh, the country was open only 60 years ago. So the Christianity is very new to this country, but at the same time, the Christianity is growing very rapidly. Uh, I can say that uh, there were no uh, believers, let's say, 60 years ago, uh, but there are thousands of churches uh, in Nepal now. So with the growth of uh, Christianity, there comes the challenge also, and the challenge is uh, how to make them disciples. So that's the area that we are focusing on. We are uh, focusing on uh, discipling uh, the believers. So in order to disciple the believers of church in Nepal, uh, we have started uh, what we call leadership training uh, because uh, most of the people or most of the leaders in the church, uh, they cannot go for long-term theological training because of their uh, low uh, academic uh, qualification, their ministry responsibility, uh, and also uh, because of their family. So uh, we have started short-term residential training where pastors and the leaders from rural areas, they come uh, for short period, for three months they come there uh, and they learn their basic things uh, about the Bible. They learn, they gain some skill there and also they develop their Christian character there. Right now we have uh, uh, four uh, leadership training centers in different parts of Nepal. Uh, one we have in far west Nepal called Tikapur, where we run three months leadership training and as well as uh, one month uh, women leadership training. And then another training center we have in uh, West Nepal, the same kind of training we organize there. And then we have another training center recently set up in East Nepal and one right here in Kathmandu. So in all these training centers, we focus uh, mainly the leaders from uh, rural areas and those who cannot go for uh, long-term theological training. Uh, then second area of our focus is uh, women leaders. It's very surprising to know that uh, the congregation of uh, church members, most of the congregation of the church members are women in Nepal. Uh, there was a survey conducted by Don, uh, and it shows that there are 60% uh, of the congregations are uh, women in the church. But then uh, looking uh, into the current figure, uh, more and more men are going abroad outside of the country to work. So a lot of men are uh, going for foreign employment. So this, this, this obviously uh, decreases the number of men in the church. So we thought, uh, why not train the women? So tell us about the women's training. What do you train them in? What kind of things yeah. are they learning? What are they taking yes. back to their communities? Yes. How does that yeah. work? 
Well, uh, I'm especially involved with the women that come for a month. They usually come from different parts of Nepal. Mm -hmm. Especially the aim is to get some of the more rural areas to come because most of them wouldn't have had any training or input. And the churches are mostly made up of women. A lot of the men leave for work and different reasons. And so it's a real need for, for women to be built up and to teach and train other women in their churches and communities. So they come for a month. Uh, uh, it's quite basic discipleship. I do some basic Bible teaching, you know, just emphasising the key aspects of our faith and emphasising how that's different from their Hindu, mostly Hindu backgrounds that a lot of them come from. Uh, many of the women are still first-generation Christians, I think, so uh, it's just making it very clear what um, our faith is about and uh, that kind of thing. I also teach a, a course called Women's Issues. It's far too short, it's a shorter time for all that could be covered, but uh, we're basically trying to encourage the women to really know how loved and valued they are by God and to know that because their culture and a lot of things and that they've been that they expect or think or even in their religion and their past has not esteemed them they've often been given second place or not had opportunity always we hear difficult stories so I think we like to emphasise uh, through through what the Bible says and what our faith says, just how valued and important and esteemed they are, and to use that to really help and build up each other and to listen and help each other. So uh, those are the the main things that I focus on, as well as doing training of trainers, course using my education background to give them some basic, basic skills about how to plan and how to prepare Bible study or a lesson and a, a programme and just some very simple things uh, that they've they've not really um, had before those, a lot of those kind of skills so, mm. so that's mostly what I do but other teachers are involved in lots of other things too, Bible study and how to study and about quiet times and prayer and retreats and um, first aid and nutrition and cooking so it's, it's a, a very very course that we have it sounds really holistic looking yeah. at if you're looking at things yeah. like first aid and yeah. nutrition as well as bible yeah. study and relationships so, and yes. self-esteem it, it, yes. it sounds like it's really holistic or yeah. what's the new word for holistic in integral integral yes. that's the word but i think that's right we just I think yeah. what we're always aiming for is that they can immediately apply it and put it into practice sure. and get it from the head and to the heart and that yeah. you know they'll, they'll be changed uh, and and they'll be able to change others and they, you can see it when they come, first come they uh, often look quite tired and pull down a lot of the women and they often in Nepal in the rural areas especially the women just do such a lot of hard work really and it's an amazing opportunity for them to come and be cooked for and to be away from all their family and responsibilities and by the end with the rest that they get and with all the teaching and everything they just look so much better you can see it physically as well you know so, so I find that very encouraging. Yeah. I can I can see one thing that's going to happen if these women are 
empowered, have good self-esteem, know their place, they're going to pass that empowerment on to their daughters and on to their daughters because yes. I think it can get passed down That's exactly the generation. What, yeah. So I can see a real change for yeah, yeah. the women in rural Nepal. Yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly what we're, we would love to see happen, mm. especially as they, they see it's from the Lord and everything. And this, this is absolutely good and, and right and healthy and there's a lot, a lot of potential there. Let's pray for all those women going through the leadership course, giving thanks for the way so many are already taking on significant roles in the churches. Now we hear direct from another woman leader, CMS Latin partner Jessica Coelho. Jessica, originally from Ecuador, lives and works in Madrid, where she is deacon of the Church of the Good Shepherd in Mostoles. Communications intern Tyler Overton called her up to hear more about her work with some of the women of the local community who've suffered abuse. CMS's Joe Anthony voices Jessica's words in English. So I've heard you've been connecting with women in the community. What I did notice when I began to talk to these women about the needs they saw in this community was poverty. Physical, material and spiritual poverty. In the neighbourhood I live in, something I've always asked for prayer for is a group of people who suffer abuse. So many abandoned children and broken homes. They need a lot of support and guidance, both spiritually as well as helping them a bit to heal the problems that they have with family members. Abused children, abused wives, men who have left their families or who have problems with drugs and alcohol. The July Breakfast Club has kind of come out of that. During the holidays we have a breakfast club and the kids have time to eat breakfast, have Bible studies, play, go on field trips. There is also a time for food where a lot of mums who can't prepare food at home come and help me, eat there with their kids and take something home for dinner. And that's one part of the work that we're doing. On Fridays, there's a time for laughter and therapy for the women. Once a month, I invite a friend of mine who is a social worker and on the other Fridays, I have a time for conversation, prayer, laughter, of helping them disconnect from their problems and open themselves up a bit. Today I'm wonderful, today I'm in a great mood, or I want to do this today, I want to leave this behind. So they really open up to you during that time. It's part of the social work that we're doing, but I know that much more is needed. Can you tell us a bit more about this group of women, and maybe share some specific stories from this group? Well, this group of women is like I was telling you, they're just neighborhood women. I'm going to tell the story of one of them. She's a young lady I love a lot. She's 34 years old and has three children. She's married to, well, she lives with a man who has a health problem which makes him hear voices, so he throws her out of the house whenever he hears them, no matter the time of day. If he hears voices at one in the morning, two in the morning, he throws his wife and kids out on the street. I met this woman one day when I was coming out of a meeting and I saw her sitting on some stairs. I had already seen her earlier in the day. I thought she was playing with her daughter. But hours had gone by. I had gone home, I'd eaten, I'd come back. And about nine in the evening, when I was coming out of the church, I saw she was still there. So I went up to her and asked, How are you? Are you playing something? And when she lifted her face, I saw that she was crying and she says, no, she says, what's happened is that my husband has had a crisis and I can't go home until he comes out of it. I asked her if she had eaten and she said, no. And I said, and your children? She said, they're on the swings. 
I said, and do you have family? Yes, I have family, but I don't want my mother and father. I don't want anyone to find out, because if they do, they're going to do something about him, and I don't want problems. All of this made me so sad, because her daughter had fallen asleep in the car. This was three years ago, and the girl was really small. Her name is Jessica, just like me. She's five years old now. She had eaten a banana, and the boys hadn't eaten anything. Since the church receives financial support to buy food from Bishop Carlos from Madrid, I invited her to eat there with her kids. When I invited her, she said, No, it's just, it's a church. I said, Well, maybe, but it's a place where you can come in, rest, and play with your children. And she said, But without making any commitments? I said, No, no commitments involved. Then she came in and sat on a chair and cried and cried and wouldn't stop crying. She hugged me and said thank you and we made some food. I left her the key to the church and said I'm going to come back tomorrow morning. Stay and sleep here with your kids. She stayed there and then she called me later and said hi, I've gone home to sleep, I'll come back tomorrow with the keys. When I was at church the next morning she came down and was very grateful and she asked me to pray with her. And from then on, this woman has been working with us on whatever needs doing. She's in charge of making the food for the holiday club, and she's always around. Right now, she's getting ready to be confirmed in our church. I only have one more question for you, and it's if you have any prayer requests, because we'd really like to pray for you. In Augusto, que fue mi, mi mes semi-libre. In August, when I took time off, I really did feel a lot of need for prayer because in July, when we had the holiday club, a series of things happened to me. I had a problem with my savings account, some other things happened to me, but I didn't pay them any attention because I was focused on the kids. But in August, it all started to affect me. Right now, my most important prayer request is for the project that the Lord has put in my life, in my heart that of taking care of the problem of abuse, of working with this group of women who are being abused, and a lot of young women and teenagers too who are victims of violence, kids as well. So this is a project that I'd love you to keep in your prayers. Give thanks for the way Jessica is opening up the church for these abused women and pray for that continuing ministry. Finally this month we turn to a man, but one who is passionate about empowering women in a traditional African culture. The Reverend Bisoke Barakenga is Youth Work Coordinator for the Anglican Church of Congo, but his role and influence often seems to go a lot wider. CMS's Sarah Holmes met him recently and asked him about his desire to open up opportunities for women in DRC, especially for those who've been raped as a weapon of war. Yes, to empower the women in Congo, we like to empower them because of uh, the love of God which we have. If you can see our culture in Africa, uh, culture believes uh, of Africa, they neglect the women, especially in my country. E- even in my tribe, it's too much. Now they say, let the women stay there. Then waiting for getting husband, then uh, not to send her to go and study, don't give her value. Even to eat, you can see them, the women, they have to eat in the kitchen, not in the table with other people. That's why in our, mi- in our mission, we like to really to pull up the women, to let them to to learn something. Because many of them you can see today, the ladies who have been raped during the war, some of them neglected by the family, some of them they are there, no one is coming to marry her. There is no job, she does not know anything she can do. Now our program is uh, to empower them. 
what we like to do some practical skills in which the ladies can have something to do in order can she can have a value then also we are trying to to convince them that uh, is not our culture this is only the people like to think like that but uh, you are the people you can do also good that's why you can see some of them we are bringing some of them to go in the study like now we have uh, about three of them are study in chachami in kenya because we like to show to congolese people that uh, they are the very good people they can do very well like one lady who was studying in in kisanga she is doing a masters in sociology that's why we like to empower them in order they can come one day to help because you can see many of the things happening in congo those who are suffering a lot is the women because if now the husband does not have things at home is the women is going to 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 to, to garden is the women is going to the market the husband is remaining at home now we like to equip the women in order they can do better within the the Congolese community and you described one of the ladies who's studying for a masters how do you know her and can you tell me a bit about her story she's the wife of one of our pastor that reverend used to work in a youth training center now the husband went back to his diocese that's why that women we know her because she's she, she's from our church then she's a wife of one of our pastor now even that pastor like to pull up the women to give them value and is she a reverend no she's not a reverend but we have some reverend who are in congo like the one in charge of doing the ladies program she's a reverend now you know she's a reverend she know the word of god and also this is one way to show to other ladies that they can do also better like that reverend also it's good for them also to go to to come up not to be discouraged what's that lady reverend's name Okay, that reverend lady is Reverend Azama. Azama, she's living in Kindu. How many women are there actually as leaders in the Anglican Church of Congo? You said you mentioned a few, but is it just a handful? Yes, is that there are few. Like I can tell you that those are reverend within the within the province. I can see if there are ten is more, there can be less than ten. And how does the Anglican Church of Congo feel about women? as leaders have you got to persuade them as well that it's a good thing yes i, I think our church we still have that uh, african beliefs as well they are giving them some responsibility but uh, not in some time of saying to lead something but uh, we are trying to see there is some improvement like before they refuse even to to ordain a, a lady but now they are trying to ordain a lady now they put a lady in a parish to lead the parish they can put some of them like in in kindu i find one of them she's leading the department of mother's union then also one of them she's a treasurer for the for the diocese so one day we might have women bishops that one it depends on the bishops because uh, once they accept them to become a, a reverend it's like a bishop also because one day they can accept them there is no we can say no but if god choose them to become there they can they can do so the church is actually helping women's role in society be um more respected yes at least at least we can say there is some improvement if we compare those days where people used to practice purely culture now we can see some of the women 
are eating the table the same with the man. Then if there is a visitor, the women can come also eat, but we need more, more help to them, to help them, to encourage them. Let's give thanks for the pioneering work Bisoke is involved in and pray for all the women God is leading into new opportunities in DRC. Our reflection comes from the Bishop of Durham, the Right Reverend Paul Butler, who has a long association with CMS and was formerly our Chair of Trustees. We've heard again this month how women are too often excluded in different ways in society, wherever in the world we may be. In this short excerpt from one of his talks at CMS's 2014 Africa Conference, Bishop Paul reflects on Matthew chapter 9, which includes the stories of Jairus' daughter and the woman with long-term bleeding, and what Jesus thought of the outsiders. There are four miracles in three stories, as it were. There are outsiders. (laughs) She's an unclean woman, a dying child, blind men, a mute demoniac. So just as uh, in the stories before Matthew's conversion and call, Jesus demonstrates being for outsiders, here he does so again. This is Matthew's emphasis. He doesn't give us the details, I think, of Mark, which show in Mark's gospel, the way Mark tells us the story, he, he emphasises how Jesus had time for this woman against uh, uh, Jairus is kind of hurrying and wanting Jesus to get to uh, his daughter. Jesus stops and has this long conversation and listens to everything that she says. Matthew doesn't have time for that. He just wants to push on all the time. He is concerned with making it clear that he learned from Jesus from the, from the outset that Jesus is for the outsider, the outcast, the excluded, the one society writes off, the one society ignores. And he deals with each one personally. So Matthew learnt from day one that this is, that Jesus is always about those whom others won't have time for. The Right Reverend Paul Butler, Bishop of Durham, closing this month's audio mission. You can listen to all three talks on the CMS website, www.cms-uk.org. See you next time for more interviews with people in mission from all around God's world.